0: Hello, everyone. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women who have gone through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. I'm honored today to have as my guest, Joyce Lynn Elder. Joyce, thank you so much for joining me today. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yes, it is my pleasure. So, Joyce, I'm going to give you the mic and ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Would you please let us know who you are and where you're from and how you stay busy during the day in this wacky time of quarantine?
1: (laughs) I am in the Seattle area, and I am helping the leaders that are dealing with conflict, crises, or even life-altering hardships, such as illness that are dealing with the overwhelm and the frustration of that to be able to find the options and the possibilities within their constraints so that then they can move forward and um, fulfill their greatest contributions and um, really get back to feeling like themselves again and being able to make the most of their time.
0: That's And, And how are you connecting to to those people? How am I connecting? I Right now,
1: a lot of my work is actually online. So I am connecting through LinkedIn and also on Facebook.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, that's great. So Joyce, as you know, this is a podcast by and for women and some men who have been through life shattering and traumatic experiences and have come out on the other side. Would you please share with us uh, by summarizing what you went through and telling us what you found was the worst part.
1: The, I When I was 19 years old, I had a transplant. It was act, I was actually diagnosed with one bone marrow failure syndrome when I was 18. By the time I was 19, I'd been diagnosed with a second one. And the key in that second one was that I, the bone marrow transplant was no longer the treatment of choice. Now it was the only treatment that was available for it. So I went in, having been otherwise an extremely healthy person, to the extent that, you know, trying to get me to swallow pills was just the worst experience ever for me. And so here I go in for a transplant where they're crashing the entire immune system. And what that meant was that I was in total isolation. So I was in a laminar flow room for three months. It wasn't intended to be that long, but I had absolutely every complication you could possibly imagine. And then I think I invented a few as well. And so I ended up going blind. I ended up having um, livers and kidneys shutting down. I ended up with respiratory trouble. And, and then I also came, had some continuing difficulty um, over the years after having come out of it. But so during that time when the entire immune system was crashed, I was in isolation in one room with no toilet, no running water, no showers. And and I was on a completely sterilized diet. When I was released, I was still obviously did not have a robust immune system. So I was staying at home and did not have the greatest relationships with everybody in the house at that point. So there was some dynamics that were interesting there. And I was stuck in the home for nine months after having been released from the hospital in that same situation. And the only, I could go outside, provided that I stayed far enough away from everybody, and I could not go into any public places except the hospital. And I'm guessing that's how other people are feeling right about now.
0: Oh, the timeliness of what you are talking about right now is yeah. uh, is, is really incredible. My gosh, is this, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, my brain is wondering right now if um, how you're doing emotionally with, with the quarantine situation right now, I mean, is it sort of, is, is it triggering to you or, or is it just sort of feel like a separate event?
1: It doesn't feel like it's triggering for me. I still do not have a strong immune system and I have 24% lung function on my best day. And so, for me, during cold and flu season, I tend to be mostly in the home anyhow. What's been interesting for me is that, in this time of crisis, I have really kicked into the highest gear possible. I have gone, it's sort of like a nesting phase, you know. (laughs) I am um, going through and reorganizing, I'm pulling out all the filing that needed to be done. All those things that I procrastinated on, all those things I put off are now getting done once and for all. I'm like, oh, let's make the most of this time.
0: Yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive. I, b- I bet there are plenty of people who are doing that alongside other people who are combing Netflix.
1: <laughs> and either one is justifiable. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. I agree with you. Anything else that you wanted to share about about uh, what you've gone through? I mean, that that is... That just, I I don't even know what to say about what that must have been like for you.
1: You know, it's interesting because when I, after I've gone through it and I've been talking with people, a lot of people have said I could never go through anything like that. And I was like, you never know what you can go through until you've actually gone through it. And we're all very capable of getting through anything that we have been presented with it's just a matter of keeping yourself in motion. And there are actually a few steps before that that are key in helping you be able to do that. Mm-hmm. The worst part for me in the transplant actually was the time, and I think this is going to be a big thing for us, not yet, but coming coming as we start to get released. The worst part for me for the transplant was not the the part while I was in the, the laminar flow unit, but the part where I was actually in my house. And the reason for that was that there, you know, when you're going through a crisis, everybody's rallying around you. They are supporting you every step of the way. And then when you start to get a little bit, show some improvement, it's either they've got other more important things to do, or they don't fully understand that this is still a critical time. And I think we're going to actually see as people are released, you know, once that starts to happen, we're going to see that some of the people that have now started to get some support are going to suddenly start finding themselves now not having that support. You know, we've got people that are checking in on their neighbors and, you know, with the, the green paper, the yellow paper and the red paper and what happens when not, that person goes back to work and is no longer being that their neighbor is no longer being supported because that benefits both. You, The person who is supporting gets to feel that fulfillment and that connection like they hadn't had before and that person that's being supported is really feeling like they are important to somebody now. They matter and they've got that connection and both of those people are going to feel some withdrawal symptoms from that and really are going to need some support.
0: Yes, and I'm so, f- this is fascinating and I'm so glad that you brought it up, Joyce, because I agree with you where we're mobilized in a way that probably our society and our, our global society hasn't been mobilized before. And when it's over, yes, we're going to be going back to reclaiming life as it was and kind of mopping up the mess and there have been there's been such a proliferation of acts of kindness all around the world and I see it everywhere including in my own neighborhood where there's a family walking around giving free boxes of Girl Scout cookies that they have extras of and um, all the way up to huge grand gestures from corporations and those acts of kindness are going to fall away precipitously again as people go back to work and play and school as usual and i work with women who've gone through a divorce and there's a similar phenomenon where when you go through a divorce not this isn't true of everyone but of most people you have A miniature team of people who are rallied around you, your attorney, perhaps your financial advisor, perhaps your therapist. um, And they're, they're helping you and supporting you through the whole process. And then the paperwork gets signed. And you're no longer probably working with your attorney. And you're no longer probably. And so your support team kind of gets yanked. And it's a little bit like, well, wait a minute, I have an entire life to rebuild now. <laughs> Where did my support go?
1: Exactly, it's sort of like when, you've, when you go through a loss, you know, right after somebody passes, you've got people that are, step, that are staying with you at night, they're dropping by to visit during the day, you've, your refrigerator and freezer has never been fuller with all of the best stuff. But then after a few weeks, it starts to peter out and one night you find yourself alone and the phone isn't ringing like it once was and the, the refrigerator is getting a little lower in food. We're going to see probably end up seeing more of
0: that. Absolutely. So Joyce, I wanted to ask you about what the best thing is about being where you are now on the other side of having gone through something that traumatic to your body to your mind to your emotions and i i'm gonna i'm going to agree with you that human beings can get through incredibly stressful and traumatic and life threatening situations yet at the same time it really does take a lot of survival and warrior energy to get to the other side of it no matter what it is and no matter who you are so i'm wondering what is the best thing about being where you are now? And you said that you still have issues with immunity, um, but clearly you're clearly you're out of the crisis that you were in before.
1: I don't consider myself to be in crisis at this moment. I think that the probably the best part for me has been that I now I am now connected with myself on so much of a greater level than I would have ever imagined before. And it's given me the strength and the compassion, the courage of my convictions and everything that I could possibly need in order to be able to support others in going through with the crises and conflict and hardships that they are going through. And I never would have imagined that I could have such a great impact on anybody until I went through all that.
0: That's beautiful. And I hear that from other guests who say, I wouldn't necessarily want to go through what I went through again, and I certainly wouldn't wish it on someone else, but I'm grateful for it, and I feel blessed by what I went through. And almost across the board, people say, because it gave me the compassion, the empathy, the strength, and just the ability to hear about really difficult stuff. Because generally speaking, I'll speak for myself, before I went through some kind of traumatic experiences as an adult, I would get awkward around people who had had something really difficult happen to them and I wouldn't necessarily know how to ask about it or how to talk about it. And now I do, now I do know how to be sensitive and I do know that people want to talk about what they've gone through and they want to know that you're interested and maybe not go into it in an intimate way, but at least showing that you're, you know, to be able to show that you're interested. And now I know how to deal with that. And that's something that I learned that I feel grateful for. Yeah. Um, Joyce, I wanted to ask you, who are some other brave warriors that you know, if anyone, who have epic comeback stories, who might be good guests on this podcast?
1: I have a friend who's been, who's been a, she's been married to um, two people that had narcissistic tendencies. And so her name is Jackie LaFleur. And I also have another friend who, um, her son committed, her adult son committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so she has been an amazing person to follow in, um, in the aftermath of that as well. And either of them would be are amazing people to get to know and to watch them evolve and grow has been in, an inspiring, um, part of my process as well
0: wonderful thank you for mentioning them and I will definitely follow up with you about getting them on the show so we come now Joyce to the essential question of this podcast which is based on what you've gone through and also on what you've done to help other people what is one piece of advice maybe two that you would give to people who are going through the absolute the absolute caca right now How would you advise them to get to that other side?
1: You've heard people talk about having to take action. You've heard people talk about the need to reframe the the situation. You've heard people talk about gratitude, and all those are things that I've used. But I want to give two others that I think actually come before all of that actually happens. And the first one for me is really having... A powerful intention and it's not enough to yes you absolutely have to have buy into the outcome that you want but the intention isn't just outcome based you need to almost have one that's procedurally based as well so that when you're having those moments when you're not winning on the outcome you're still having the opportunity to win procedurally and procedurally That means that you're looking at and going, okay, how do I want to show up in this? Because the second part of this is remembering that it's not just about you. And you are enough in and of of yourself. You matter. So even if it were just about you, that would be enough of a reason for you to be pushing through and making sure that it happens. But the fact of the matter is that it's not. In every case, whether I am out there at a street corner mediating a dispute because somebody's been in an accident, whether I'm rescuing a child that's been lost for a while, or whether I'm dealing with my own type of situation, it never fails that somebody is watching and somebody is paying attention and they're drawing conclusions and it's not what you would think. They may never know your name. They may not even remember what it is that you said or what it is that you did, but they will remember that you were there. They will remember how you showed up. I, a few years ago, sent a, almost on the 30th anniversary of the bone marrow transplant, I sent my hematologist an email saying, "Hey, I haven't talked to you for a long time, but I just wanted to say thank you and give you a moment of inspiration and let you know how I'm doing. I don't even know if you remember me, but I just wanted to extend that for you. And I told him how I was doing and he emailed back saying, of course, I remember you. You are the person that was, that I, you know, a lot of the other doctors were beating me up and saying, you should just let put her in hospice. And because her numbers show that she can't survive this. But he saw strength and determination in me. And today, could he tell me what it was that I did that showed that strength and determination or what I said? Probably not, but he remembers me and the strength and determination that I had. And if he remembers that after all of the patients, after all of the things that he has seen and heard after 29, almost 30 years, that is available for you as well it is something that we're connected and people are always watching in ways that we never even know. So you're enough and it's even bigger than that. So the first two steps are setting that intention both um, in terms of the outcome and also the internal, how do I want to show up in this? What do I want somebody who's watching me now to, to get from me? And then remembering it's not You're enough. And it's never just about you.
0: I love that so much. And so inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing about that kind of, that kind of bring everything full circle with your hematologist. So, so cool. It is. That is some very, very wise and inspirational advice. Thank you. Very welcome. So Joyce, since we're all about being epic on this podcast... If you could have any superpower that you don't already have, what would it be?
1: Uh, This question, every time that I ask it, I think I give a different answer. That's fine. and And I love that because it just shows the evolution of things. And I think that for now, if I could have the superpower of being able to instill in everybody that indomitable spirit. You know, the, that courageousness, that tenacity, that compassion and empathy, that strength and that, uh, that persistence that it takes to be able to get through things. We have people that will, they will follow through to a certain extent. And we're all, we've all done this, right? We've had that moment when we just get to a point where we're like, I don't have anything more. Yeah. But... Give it a moment. Don't pull out just at this particular moment, because you may be that person who's stopping three feet before Ugh. that. Will be
0: I'm hearing this personally. I'm hearing this on a personal level right now.: <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, that is beautiful, and that indeed would be a superpower. My goodness gracious. <laughs> I, I have a sense that, I have a sense that you already possess it, but I mean, I, you know, who, who am I to say that?
1: So Joyce, I reach some, but not everybody.
0: <laughs> yes, right. I hear that. I totally hear that. Yeah, people have to be ready. People have to be open. It's very true. Um, so Joyce, thank you so much for being on my on my podcast today. I wanted to ask, where can we find you online? No well, thank
1: around. you for having me. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. I can be reached at conflictoptions.us. And you can also reach me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash I-N slash Joyce Lynn Elder.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Joyce. Thank you. This is Nikki Bruno with, with Joyce Lynn Elder on the Epic Comeback podcast. For more great ideas on how to stage an epic comeback in your life, please go to theepiccomeback.com.